You're listening to klfm.org in beautiful Split, Croatia. He begins by Jeremy Haidt. He looks out the window to the yellow-orange sky. There are no clouds. The fires, raging as they are, are many miles away. The air has a taste, though, as well as a smell. It is as though the high-flying ash sent some breath down below. The smoke is a thousand feet up, but the taste sits on the tongue, even indoors, today. The year has been a century, it seems, a millennia, an epoch. Stephen sits by the window, and it is almost as though gravity itself may prove soon to be a liar, that atoms and molecules may just be humming little fanged bastards with crimes and betrayals ever in wait. Today is Sunday, but such a day, such a pause, is like all else in these times, a mutant, something not quite a friend and not yet a monster. Stephen works online. He is one of the lucky ones. He coordinates and announces plans eight times a week into such silent and faceless crowds. He speaks at a grid of black squares with little red mute buttons like fireflies in a dead night sky. They can talk. They choose not to. The names sit on edges of rectangles at least, something of a person, of some other room, some edge of another life. Stephen is speaking in 20 minutes. It is the first such meeting for the new week new and weak, those concepts unmoored in the early pandemic. And there is much to cover. He has his notes. He has his coffee. He has a video to show. He has slides and a stillborn PowerPoint that just seemed to end as a distended stump last night of what his superiors wished him to convey. Something of logistics, of the cold-faced numbers of bottom-line necessity. It was left unsaid, but he got the undertow. He sensed the dark, acrid portent. The days have soft, wet edges, a song once said. It did not make sense back in college. Now it does. It really gutturally and viscerally does. Months into this thing, an insomnia rules for some, and others wish to sleep it all away. Stephen, busy as he is, anxious as well, Naps and spurts like a bear, and thus day and night mean little but abstractions, concepts, names, things from how things used to be. Stephen gets a text now, and it has a few words. Do it this time. He gulps and puts down his phone. He paces a bit, then watches his cat watch a video of squirrels in a park on the other laptop across the room. The sweet young cat sits placid and mesmerized. He will never see as a house cat, safe and at home. It is adorable. It also is to Stephen something more, but he does not want to think about it, not now. He pours himself a water, strokes his cat's soft fur, and heads back to the window in the living room from the kitchen. The fires last night erased another town, wiped it to foundations and a name. Flames have jagged teeth. Ashes sit as a sad excretion. Memories and safe doors and windows is too much waste. 
The weather is not a big gale or fierce heat. Those days have passed. It is like the virus. It raged into being, and now there is ruin as well as sunshine. There are great losses, and there are jobs to do. Things to plan for, and try to hope, or just continue. Stephen once was a child. He was once a gawky teen, face pimpled, clothes ill-fitting, movement a sort of stumble. He also was a young student, a new hire at the company. He was engaged, he was single, he was cheerful, he was severely depressed. Like many, these things are like the way alcohol comes from a sort of measure and rot, the present secreted from both wounds and the skin of things before. He is in the present, and it is something almost impossible for many he knows to describe. It is something akin to how a hangover ravages after the big night, but the day after that is just things as they are. But that somewhere lag, that ghost tug of something like a cousin of lack of sleep, of things dull, drained, almost of scents and colors. Stephen's cat now climbs forward and sits perched on the keyboard in the kitchen at the dining table. His paws reach out, soft and gentle, to a squirrel, then a fish, then a bird. He looks intense and yet pensive, ready to pounce or to make a new friend with a thing just out of reach. His soft black paws catch a bit of light, showing the soft brown and near-orange hues, and the little soft bean pads on his paws glint just so, and his eyes glow yellow and mesmerized. Stephen is looking out the window now at the sky and its hue, but knows the sound. He smiles slightly and wishes his beloved friend and companion could just this once slip the barrier of so much plastic and time and run for a time in that park, wherever and whenever it was, chase the fish in that lake in whatever town or state or country in the world. He could slip through and just run, play, sip the smoke-free air, and feel it across his soft, luxurious fur. <sighs> the meeting is in 15 minutes now. The time has come. It is unavoidable. Logistics are not just bed frames, blueprints, or the lines of that old thermometer. They, too, can flare hinged fangs. This will be one of those times. Numbers have shown it. Numbers have shown lack and things out of sync. Digits have revealed inconsistencies, things now extraneous. These things, unfortunately for Stephen, wait. Some in night-dark rectangles, mute buttons, soft glowing fireflies. They now wait in rooms. Some may pace. Others may just be dully waiting for things as they are to keep on. They have names, too. Stephen last night had this dream again. All things were dots in a big swarm, and all things of measure were basically fleas. He was on a shore, seeing them pulse and disperse above, sand fleas, but in the place of numbers, of memories too, and of what knowledge is over time. Just so many gnats. Nothing less and nothing more. He then dreamed of a car with no wheels and of a room with walls that shot out in all directions and collapsed in again, and no one at some gathering in the room noticed or cared. He woke up, and it dissolved instantly. His phone vibrated. 
his friend texted him to say, Don't worry. I will not do anything rash. I am just exhausted. Tired of this world. The smoke. The waiting. The edge of every calm. The dullness of it all. The dullness. That was the worst part. It is the worst part. Ten minutes now. The bosses want this. It is inevitable. The fat must be trimmed. Stephen looks at his cat now, and Dexter is pawing softly at the screen, at some specter in some impossible afternoon in its clean air and bright sun. He looks now, out the window, again, and the sky is an old lemon. It seems to sag somehow, even in this early morning hour. He will have to fire seven of those forty squares today. He will have to do it in the dark squares and the false night of the Zoom call, with no other faces, no photos, no videos, no other rooms to imagine climbing into for a drink or a shared meal, even as the virus still poisons the very air, to also hug others by some couch, some cat, some window. Stephen stares at the wall, at its nothing, at the neutral paint, and it is everything and it is nothing. It is time now. Somewhere, many miles away, a home begins to burn. A farmhouse falls further away as so much ash. But for Stephen and others, it is just waiting. It is just things as they are under a dull sky. He turns on the zoom, and the squares begin to light up with signal, then dash back to their respective darkness, gathered together by the thin sinew that is circumstance and the fates. He begins. Greetings, fine, noisy people of the NorCal and beyond. I'm Lob Instagon. And I'm Austin Rich. And together, we are... Noise Stallions! We are here to tell you all about a most bodacious and excellent virtual happening that is afoot. NorCal Noise Fest! That's right, Lob. The NorCal Noise Fest is the longest-running noise event in the country. Whoa! And this year, it'll happen in the screen on your preferred electronic device of choice. Virtually happening in any room of your house. Virtually, literally, virtually. No way, dude. Way! I heard, too, that... NF2020 will feature an outstanding array of amazing sound artists from all over the international world and beyond, and will even include an appearance by one of the actual wonders of the modern world. Whoa! It's going to be virtually happening, literally, over the NorCal Noise Fest channel on YouTube. So you need to have a computer or a smartphone to find it. Listen up, my dudes. It will happen over October 2nd through the 4th. Starting at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Friday, October 2nd, and we'll broadcast exclusive material and live streams from over 75 artists. <laughs> like 
It's going to be the most excellent virtual and quarantined programming, my dude. The, the best, best noise, noise fest, fest ever. ever. I'm Lob Instagon. I'm Austin Rich. And, and we, we are, are Noise, noise Stallions. <laughs> and we'll see you at NorCal Noise Fest 2020. More details at NorCalNoiseFest.com. Meanwhile... Rain. A symphony orchestra. There is a thunderstorm. They are playing a Wagner overture. And the people leave their seats under the trees and run inside to the pavilion. The women giggling, the men pretending calm. Wet cigarettes being thrown away. Wagner plays on. And then they are all under the pavilion. The birds even come in from the trees and enter the pavilion. And then it is the Hungarian Rhapsody number two by Liszt. And it still rains, but look. One man sits alone in the rain, listening. The audience notices him. They turn and look. The orchestra goes about its business. The man sits in the night in the rain, listening. There's something wrong with him, isn't there? He came to hear the music. Okay, mm -hmm. that happened. I wasn't there, but a friend of mine told me about it. Okay, two six nine. You like you like Wagner, and you like Schumann. I like Wagner. Uh, take away the voice parts. I like just the musical. Okay. Mid Valley Rain Mutations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
are soaked through and through. Can I use your fireplace and dry off, please? I knew you'd agree. Mutations. You're listening to klfm.org in beautiful Split, Croatia. To another exciting edition of Mid Valley Mutations here on KLFM.org. As we say in beautiful Split Croatia. And yeah, we kind of are doing a little bit of a rain dance, as it were. Uh, maybe a bit of a summoning. Hard to pin it down precisely, uh, except to say that, yeah. It sucks right here in Oregon right now. 
and I'm trying to be optimistic and I'm trying to just, you know, dot my I's and cross my T's and do all of that stuff. But oof, let me tell you, the smoke and the virus and the fires are just getting to be a bit much, if you know what I mean. And so I'm playing a bunch of rain-themed stuff, hoping for that little glimmer of something that's on the forecast for all of us here out in the Northwest. Um, yeah, uh, we kicked things off with a short story, actually, written by Jeremy Haidt, uh, which I did a little rendition of He Begins, which captures a little bit of the flavor of our time, unfortunately. And then uh, we had a little bit of uh, Tom Waits, Charles Bukowski mashup, the way it was meant to be. Rainbirds with Rain, and then the Jesus and Mary Chain from Darklands with Happy When It Rains. We're hearing a little bit of grails right now with Acid Rain. Uh, don't think the uh, terrible climate phenomena. Think uh, the psychedelic one. And uh, yeah, we're just going to keep on keeping on as it were. Uh, yeah, check us out at midvalleymutations.com. And uh, our new website, austinrich.org, which kind of wrangles together all of the different radio, film, and whatnot that I uh, participate in. Uh, there's a little bit of a blog there. Yeah, it's kind of the, the one-stop shopping for all the stuff that I'm doing these days, uh, which is more and more with each passing day. Yeah, we are currently at an air quality index of 290, which is very unhealthy. <clears throat> As I'm sure you can hear in my voice. So why don't we just kind of move on to uh, the next little bit here. You are listening to klfm.org. My name is Austin Rich. This is Mid-Valley Mutations, and we're doing a little bit of a rain dance. So please think wet thoughts for the Northwest.
Mid Valley. You're listening to KLFM.org in beautiful Split, Croatia. Rain, rain. Mutations.
Thanks once again for tuning in to Mid-Valley Mutations here on klfm.org. And uh, yeah, we're just doing uh, what I'm calling a bit of a rain dance, uh, just trying to get the weather to cooperate so that the smoke will go away, please. You just heard Rain by Sailboats from that Adrift album, which is very excellent if you do not have it already. Followed up by Gwive from that live double CD thing they put out uh, from the 92706 Valentine's show, which, uh, yeah, I wish I could have been there. It looks like it was a lot of fun. Uh, Amon Duel 2 uh, with Sandals in the Rain from that Yeti album. Uh, and now we are listening to a bit of King Tubby, The Rain Roots, which we might need if we are to grow a little bit of decent weather out in this particular neck of the woods. Yeah, I don't have to repeat uh, for anyone listening how bad it has been. And uh, yeah, we're doing our best to try to, you know, get through this without uh, too much, uh, well, um, bitching and moaning, as they say, but it is very difficult not to. So uh, we're hanging in there as best as we can, uh, going to dentist appointments and running our errands as if it wasn't the end of the world, even though it looks like it when you leave the house. Yeah, uh, so that's kind of uh, the boat we're in, and so I'm just thinking super wet and super damp thoughts this entire time. And I hope that you will join me uh, and send all of your wettest thoughts to the Pacific Northwest because, uh, yeah, we could use a little bit of relief. Uh, and, uh, yeah. 
let's not try to dwell too much on what is going on in the world politics around us. Let's just move on to some radio, right? That's something unaffected by the world. Ugh, never mind. It's Mid-Valley Mutations here on KLFM.org, and we're playing some rain music because we're thinking wet thoughts. Why don't you join us? Uh, It's a lot of fun. We're going to be here for another hour, so stay tuned. Mid-Valley. You're listening to klfm.org in beautiful Split, Croatia. Rain, rain, rain. Mutations. Well, it didn't it rain, children? God's going to send us water from Zion, and he's going to raise us heaven up higher. It's going to rain, and it's going to rain, well, it's going to rain, children. God's going to send us water from Zion, and he's going to raise us heaven up higher. It's going to rain, and it's going to rain. Well, Lord, then God got angry on his throne, and the angels in the heaven began to moan. He said, go down, angel, stir up a flood, Blow out the sun, change the moon into blood Then come back an angel and bar the door For I declare the time will be no more They tell me, great God, when it started to rain The women and the children began to scream They knocked on the windows, battered at the door Crying, oh brother Noah, won't you take on more? Noah said, I'm sorry, my friend But God's got the key and you can't come in Well, no, wasn't worried, but the children coming in But they want to hear the angel moan Didn't it rain? God's gonna send the water from Zion And he's gonna raise his heaven up higher It's gonna rain and it's gonna rain My Lord, then it rained 40 days and nights without stopping Noah was worried when the rain kept a-dropping He sent out a raven and sent out a dove The water great God kept a-coming from above They tell me little children the bird did seek But they couldn't find a land to rest his feet Well, Noah wasn't worried but the resting of his feet But he couldn't hear the angels moan Didn't it rain? God's gonna send us water from Zion And he's gonna raise us heaven up higher It's gonna rain, it's gonna rain My Lord, then the wind did blow, the ship did rock Noah couldn't find nowhere to dock My God spoke and whispered low Showed old Noah where he wanted him to go He said, look ahead, Noah, the rain's done stopped I want you to land on the mountaintop He showed old Noah a rainbow sign Said it won't be rain but fire next time Well, no wasn't worried but fire next time But it would have the angel to moan Didn't it rain God's gonna send the water from Zion And he's gonna raise his heaven up higher It's gonna rain and it's gonna rain
And that's going to do it for us this week here on the program. Mid-Valley Mutations doing a rain dance and uh, trying our best to uh, figure out ways that we can not dwell on how terrible it is when you go outside. Let's see, uh, you just heard uh, Window Pane Rain by George and Kaplan from their Things Past album. And then we followed that up with Rainforest Version 1, 1968, performed 1990 by David Tudor. That is one of those ohm disc uh, uh, tracks. So uh, if you know that ohm compilation, that is a good thing to have. And then, of course, Brown Rain by Christian Marclay from that Records album that he put out. Uh, and uh, right now, we are enjoying a little bit of Alien Rain Song by Devil's Club. Uh, someone uh, should be familiar to people who listen to this program, as he was, in many ways, a co-host uh, for quite some time. Uh, but our lives kind of diverged, and unfortunately... He has not been able to join us, which is a pity, but, uh, you know, we have to make do with what we can. Uh, and uh, I always love working with Devil's Club. Love to do it again, but, um, you know, sometimes our lives are just on different paths. Anyway, uh, and we are going to close things out here with, uh, well, couple of things here uh track by knuckle children jade planet rain uh and i think i'm gonna mix in a little bit of bukowski with that just for fun uh and then dime store radio theater to close things out yeah uh think the wettest thoughts you can if you can uh and send them our way because we certainly use the weather uh, and in the meantime uh we're just gonna try to listen to some radio Put our heads in a book somewhere and fend off the headache because wow it's uh it's rough let me tell you it certainly sucks let's not dwell on that part please because it's hard enough to not be depressed all the time these days what we should be doing is thinking very carefully about how all this makes us feel and direct that energy into the way we are going to vote. Anyway, let's get back to the music. Uh, you guys have been wonderful. You guys have been beautiful. Without you, there would be no program. Be seeing you.
Mid Valley. You're listening to KLFM.org in beautiful Split, Croatia. Rain, rain. Mutations. greenhouse effect or whatever, but it just doesn't rain like it used to. I particularly remember the rains of the Depression era. There wasn't any money, but there was plenty of rain. It wouldn't rain just for a night or a day. It would rain for seven days and seven nights. And in Los Angeles, the storm drains weren't built to carry off that much water. And the rain came down thick and mean and steady. And you heard it banging against the roofs and into the ground. Waterfalls of it came down from the roofs. And there was hail, big rocks of ice, bombing, exploding, smashing into things. And the rain just wouldn't stop. And all the roofs leaked. Dish pans, cooking pans were placed all about. They dripped badly, had to be emptied again and again. The rain came up over the street curbings, across the lawns, climbed the steps and entered the houses. There were mops and bathroom towels, and the rain often came up through the toilets, bubbling, brown, crazy, whirling, and the old car stood in the streets. Cars that had problems starting on a sunny day. And the jobless men stood looking out the windows at the old machines dying like living things out there. The jobless men, failures in a failing time, were imprisoned in their houses with their wives and children and their pets. The pets refused to go out and left their waste in strange places. The jobless men went mad, confined with their once beautiful wives. There were terrible arguments as notice of foreclosure fell into the mailbox. Rain and hail, cans of beans, bread without butter, fried eggs, boiled eggs, poached eggs, peanut butter sandwiches, and an invisible chicken in every pot. My father, never a good man at best, beat my mother when it rained. As I threw myself between them, the legs, the knees, the screams, until they separated. I'll kill you, I screamed at him. You hit her again and I'll kill you. Get that son of a bitchin' kid out of here. No, Henry, you stay with your mother. All the households were under siege, but I believe that ours held more terror than the average. 
And at night, as we attempted to sleep, the rain still came down. And it was in bed in the dark, watching the moon against the scarred window, so bravely holding out most of the rain. I thought of Noah and the ark. And I thought, it has come again. We all thought that. And then at once it would stop. And it always seemed to stop around 5 or 6 a.m. Peaceful then, but not an exact silence because things continued to drip, drip, drip. And there was no smog then, and by 8 a.m. there was a blazing yellow sunlight. Van Gogh yellow, crazy, blinding. And then the roof drains, relieved of the rush of water, began to expand in the warmth. Pang, pang, pang. And everybody got up and looked outside, and there were all the lawns still soaked, greener than green will ever be. And there were the birds on the lawn, chirping like mad. They hadn't eaten decently for seven days and seven nights, and they were weary of berries. And they waited as the worms rose to the top, half-drowned worms. The birds plucked them up and gobbled them down. There were blackbirds and sparrows. The blackbirds tried to drive the sparrows off, but the sparrows, maddened with hunger, smaller and quicker, got their due. The men stood on their porches, smoking cigarettes, now knowing they'd have to go out there to look for a job that probably wasn't there, to start that car that probably wouldn't start. And the once beautiful wives stood in their bathrooms, combing their hair, applying makeup, trying to put the world back together again, trying to forget that awful sadness that gripped them, wondering what they would fix for breakfast. And on the radio we were told that school was now open. And soon there I was on the way to school. Massive puddles in the street. And the sun like a new world. My parents back in that house. I arrived at my classroom on time. Mrs. Sorensen greeted us with, We won't have our usual recess. The grounds are too wet. Ah, most of the boys went. But we're going to do something special at recess, she went on. And it will be fun. Well, we all wondered what that would be. And the two-hour wait seemed a long time as Mrs. Sorensen went about teaching her lessons. I looked at the little girls. They all looked so pretty and clean and alert. They sat still and straight and their hair was beautiful in the California sunshine. Then the recess bell rang, and we all waited for the fun. Then Mrs. Sorensen told us, Now, what we're going to do is we're going to tell each other what we did during the rainstorm. We'll begin in the front row and go right around. Now, Michael, you're first. Well, we all began to tell our stories. Michael began and went on and on. 
and soon we realized that we were all lying. Not exactly lying, but mostly lying. And some of the boys began to snicker, and some of the girls began to give them dirty looks. And Mrs. Sorensen said, All right, I demand a modicum of silence here. I am interested in what you did during the rainstorm, even if you're not. So we had to tell our stories, and they were stories. One girl said when the rainbow first came, she saw God's face at the end of it. Only she didn't say which end. One boy said he stuck his fishing pole out the window and caught a little fish and fed it to his cat. Almost everybody told a lie. The truth was just too awful and embarrassing to tell. Then the bell rang and recess was over. Thank you, said Mrs. Sorensen. That was very nice. And tomorrow the grounds will be dry and we will put them to use again. Most of the boys cheered and the little girl sat very straight and still looking so pretty and clean and alert, their hair beautiful, in the sunshine the world might never see again.
Buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Time now for Rocky Jordan, brought to you today by Del Monte Tomato Products. far from the mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Cafe Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against the backdrop of antiquity. Del Monte presents Rocky Jordan and this week's story, Adventure with Andrea. reading about the earthquake in Ecuador that broke the first week in August. It was a big one. Killed a few thousand people and buried a couple of cities. Yeah, it was big, all right. I even felt the reverberations in Cairo, 8,000 miles away. It started the night I'd left Chris, my bartender, in charge of the tambourine because I had some business across town. When I got back about two and looked in the front door, I saw there was trouble inside. My bartender, Chris, was swinging from the ground at a big guy who was taking it all and delivering in turn. They moved from the side of the cafe to the center, turning over a table and chair. When the bottles began to break, I figured it was time to put a stop to it. So I moved in, but not before Chris buried his fist in the big guy's stomach and he fell face down on a large suitcase. I guess I'm a little late. Oh, hi, Rock. What happened? I don't know. This guy moved in with his suitcase. Started up the stairs to your room. I said it was private, but he wouldn't take no. Who is he? Toby Barker's the name. Toby? Hiya, Rock. Oh, you know him, Rock? Yeah, surely knows me. Port Said, Algiers, Istanbul. Remember, Rock? I remember the one you left Cairo. You took my cash register with you. Yeah? Oh, that, yeah. What are you doing back here? Now, I'll tell you all about it, Rock, but let's go upstairs so I can clean up, huh? Toby wrapped a big paw around the handle of his suitcase, and we went up to my room. He washed up, came back into the bedroom, and flopped on the bed. That's when the conversation started again. Uh, it's good to see you again, pal. Been a long time, huh? Three years, four years? Something like that. Miss me? Not much. Yeah. Still sore about me picking up that loose change in your register? Six hundred dollars. It's not the money so much. I just don't like a guy with glue on his fingerprints. Well, Rock, that's why I'm back. To make amends. Six hundred dollars? Okay, six hundred it is. Uh, I'm a little short right now. Oh, yeah, sure. But uh, here's two hundred on account. I'll give you the other four in a couple of days. Yes, sir, I'm a new man, Rocky. Turned over that leaf everybody talks about. Hey, see that suitcase there? Can't miss it. Mm -hmm. Samples. I'm a salesman. Kitchen utensils, can opener, strainers, potato scraper. Bring modern mechanics to the oppressed housewife in the Middle East. Why, they'll welcome me here with open arms. A new Caesar conquering Egypt with aluminum. You haven't lost any of your win. (laughs) Uh, It's going to be fun bunking with you for a couple of days, Rocky. You staying here? Oh, you wouldn't have it any other way, pal. (laughs) Oh, Rock. Yeah. Uh, 
I'd appreciate it if you... You don't mention it around town that I'm back. I'd... Is that why you don't want a hotel? <laughs> you know how it is, sport. A couple of debts, some people carrying grudges for a long time, and, uh... Well, I'd just assume it wasn't newsed around with Toby Barker's in Cairo. Hey, you can keep a secret. Huh, sport? Well, that's how it began. Part two started the next morning. About nine o'clock, I noticed a kid, 14 or 15, standing across the street, bouncing a ball up against a wall. At 11, he was still there, but his arm was tired, and he was just sitting on the curb. One o'clock, he was bouncing the ball again, but I could see his heart wasn't in it. What he was really doing was a watch job in the tambourine. Three o'clock, the kid was still there watching, and I was getting pretty curious. I moved out to talk to him, but when he saw me coming, he started to run. I took out after him. Hey! Hey, kid! Slow down! I'm not going to hurt you. I just want to talk to you. He kept on running down the Sharia Hakkar with me after him. But on the corner, he ran into a fat lady carrying a basket of groceries. The kid in a bag of Brussels sprouts rolled on the sidewalk. Two seconds later, the fat lady was picking up her Brussels sprouts, and I was picking up the kid. Why does the boy not watch where he is going? Why did that look before he runs into innocent people carrying Brussels sprouts? All right, kid, come on up on your feet. people, the way they raise their children. They raise them to knock over innocent people in the street carrying Brussels sprouts. Uh, he apologizes. Come on, kid, step to the side here. I want to talk to you. Sweat to me. Tell me here. Tell me here. All right, settle down. Tell me here. No le dicen nada. Solamente estaba aquí afuera atendiendo mis propios negocios. Huh? Suéltame, le dije. Now try speaking English. English, English. Pero, señor, no hablo inglés. No lo hablo. Then try speaking Arabic. Por favor, señor, no lo comprendo. Suéltame, por favor. You were watching my tambourine. Why? Por qué, kid? What's going on? No sé de qué hablo. Le dije que estaba atendiendo mis negocios. Suéltame, señor. Suéltame. All the kid could speak or would was Spanish. But when someone cases my place for a full day, I could figure something was up and I wanted to know just what. So I let the kid go, figuring to follow him. He wound me through a couple of streets and ended up at a small hotel called The Dynasty. He disappeared into room 212. A few seconds later, I knocked on the door. Open the door and you'll find out. Oh. Come in, Senor Jordan. We met? No, Senor, but I know of you. He's all right. Come in. Este es el hombre, ama. Yo sé, Kiko. Haga el favor de dejarnos ahora, huh? Yes. My brother, Kiko. He speaks nothing but Spanish. So I see. He has left us alone so we may talk. You know, I'm not sure whether he led me here purposely or I made it myself. It was not his intention to bring you here, but now that you are here, Senor Jordan... It is only right that I answer your questions. Something's going on, lady. Your brother's been staked out of my tambourine all day. It makes my customers nervous. We have no intention to make your customers nervous. We have no intention either to cause you concern, but in truth, something is going on. Who are you, anyway? My name is Andrea Dios. I'm new to your city. I have come with purpose. From where? South America. The country of Ecuador, the city of Ambato. Ecuador? There's been a lot about Ecuador in the newspapers, the uh, earthquake. Yes. I left shortly after that. Well, you've come a long way. But what's my tambourine got to do with it? Only that under its roof resides a strange man. What? Your guest, Toby Barker. Oh. I ask you, Senor Jordan, I ask you to send that man away. Why? He will bring you trouble. What kind of trouble? What does that matter? Trouble of a kind you will not like. I ask you, please, Senor, send him away. Send him out of your building. 
You, uh, you always carry a gun? What? That bulge in your purse isn't a bottle of cologne. I ask you, Senor Jordan, once again, send that man out from under your roof. Be wise and do as I say. There is something between the two of us that can wait no longer. Something between the two of us that soon must explode. Well, I had the feeling it was a simmering pot. Ingredients? One Toby Barker and a dame from Ecuador. It looked like I was going to be the one to get hit with a flying lid. I went back to the tambourine and spent a couple of hours getting ready for the supper crowd. Chris was racking up a few bottles behind the bar. My cook was scratching around the kitchen with a mixmaster. And I went into my office. Toby Barker was there looking out the window. Oh, hi, Rock. I didn't hear you come in. Looking for someone? Uh, yeah, Rocky, yeah. A friend of mine's coming to see me here. I didn't think he'd mind. Uh, he's going to sign up for a large consignment of my kitchen utensils. Then I hit the road. This friend of yours, a uh, woman? A uh, woman? From Ecuador, named Andrea Rios. Andrea Rios? What'd you find out about her? Things get out. Yeah? Got a cigarette? Yeah. Is she the friend you're waiting for? No. What have you got to say about her? Oh, nothing, Rock. Just some dame, you know how it is. Met her in Ecuador, in a little whirl. A little hard to shake, that's all. You're listening to klfm.org in beautiful Split, Croatia. <laughs> you know how it is with women's sport? I know if they're chasing a man, they don't bring along their little brother. Oh, he's here too, huh? That's right. And she's got another little companion that spits lead. Yeah, she's the impetuous type. What is it, Toby? I told you, Rock, just the little boy meets girl stuff. Nothing important. You're lying. No, Rock, no, really. Hey, look, look, now, just forget about it, huh? I'll be out of your place in the morning. Listen, Toby, I'm not in the market for trouble. I run a restaurant here. They got a pretty good rep, and I don't want it messed up. If you've got a thing on with that girl, take it someplace else. Pal, if you don't... Come in. Bartender says that I would... Oh, Mr. Barker. Yes, uh, come on in, Shima. I've been waiting for you. I am most sorry, Mr. Barker. The traffic kept me. Hashim Bay, Mr. Jordan. Oh, most delighted, Jordan Bay. I have heard of you. Most of Cairo has. How do you do? Mr. Barker, I have little time. My client leaves the city soon. He's most anxious we consummate our dealings... Promptly. Oh, sure, Hashim. Uh, Rock, uh, you mind uh, stepping outside? Huh? You want me to leave my own office? <laughs> you don't mind, do you, Rock? For a pal? Uh, all right. Make it fast. I stepped out of my own office, and Toby tripped the lock behind me. It was pretty clear that Toby was using my place for a rendezvous with Hashim, and I wanted to know what it was all about. I pressed my ear up against the door, but what I heard was something I didn't expect. <laughs> I waited a moment until it sounded safe, then unlocked the door and moved inside. Both Toby and Hashim were hugging the floor, still very much alive. The bullets had come from outside. I moved to the shattered window and looked out. Scampering down the street was a long-legged dame with a flock of black hair. She was stuffing something back into her purse and it figured to be the gun. And when she went by a lamppost, I saw who she was. Andrea Rios, late of Ambato, Ecuador. <laughs> Monty Foods is presenting tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. 
we should just happen to sneak over to the Joneses for a minute, I bet we'd find Mrs. Jones and her friend Betty talking in the kitchen. Honestly, Betty, I've never seen anything like it. Why, the way Ken polished up his plate was a caution. Oh, that's wonderful. And you can surely thank your lucky stars for the magic combination, so to speak. <laughs> well, I'll agree with you on the magic part. The magic of Del Monte ketchup. I've never tasted such marvelous flavor. Really, Mary, you should try that more often. Why, Ken... <laughs> that must have been quite a meal Mrs. Jones fixed. And ladies... Chances are you'll find the family asking for more and bigger helpings, too, when you serve Del Monte catsup. That tangy, rich tomato flavor really perks up low-cost foods, gives them a zestful flavor that satisfies those hearty appetites. Yes, Del Monte catsup has a distinctive flavor all its own, a flavor you'll like. So next time you make up the shopping list, include Del Monte catsup. It won't be long before you'll join Mrs. Jones in saying... Del Monte ketchup is wonderful. I've never tasted such marvelous flavor. And now we take you back to Cairo and tonight's Rocky Jordan story, Adventure with Andrea. Well, I watched Andrea around a corner. When I turned back from the window, Hashim Bey had already picked himself up and was scampering out of my place. And Toby Barker was dusting off his suit, quite relieved that the bullets landed in my wall. I decided I wanted more words with a South American bombshell who was turning my office into a skeet shoot. I caught up with her back at her hotel room, and I don't think I was too gentle as I snatched her purse away from her and opened it. What are you doing? I'm a gun collector, lady, and I want yours. I've got it. Uh-huh. Three bullets fired, and they're all on my wall. I missed. I'm a little touchy about guns going off in my place. I told you. I told you, I told you, I told you. Get that man out from under your roof. Maybe I don't want to. Maybe he's a friend of mine. I don't like being told what to do with my oh, friends. What are you screaming about? I missed. Listen, Miss Ecuador, maybe you don't understand. We got laws in Cairo. Assault with a deadly weapon, intent to kill. And we got jails, too. And they got plenty of room. Do not just stand there. Call the police. Maybe I will. Oh, call them, call them, call them. What do I care? All right. What are you waiting for? Get me Captain Sam Sabaya, Cairo police. Call, call them, call them. What does it matter now I miss? I talked to Sam and he said he'd be right down. Then I hung up and turned back to look at Andrea. She had slumped down on the couch and was beginning to cry. <laughs> Ah, some dames can turn it on like a water faucet and use it to get things their own way. But this was different. This was real. At least it looked like it. It wasn't a loud cry. It was soft, but tight, like it was bound up in ropes. And it was a deep cry. It made a fellow wonder. After a while, she came out of it. Senor Jordan. Yeah. What are the jails like? You won't be fond of it. I did not suppose I would. Do you uh, have anything you want to tell me? There's much I could say. I'm a good listener. But to what avail, Senor Jordan? I have tried to kill a man. I have followed him halfway around the world with one purpose. There's a reason. Reason. But this reason for one person is not always for another. Try me. I'm living in Amato, in Ecuador. My father is a most revered and wonderful man. 
He's the proprietor of a fine art shop containing beautiful and expensive relics of early Ecuadorian culture. Then I bring to live with us a man whom I love and have married. He is a man whom my father considers a spoiler. He does not approve. But he bends to the wish of his daughter, whom he loves very much. The new husband is dead. As time goes, I hear that my husband is disreputable. I refuse to believe. But then the moment comes when I can no longer shut my eyes to what is about me. It comes when the earthquake comes to Ecuador. The buildings of Mabato are shattered. The people are buried in the rubble. The children scream for their mothers and misery is all over. It is then, as the buildings quiver and the stones fall, that in front of my eyes, unaware I am there, my husband kills my father with a blow on the head. Still, and then disappears. The law can do nothing. First it is troubled by the misery of the earthquake. Then it sees no proof. As far as it is concerned, my father was killed by falling rubble. But the daughter knows differently. The daughter saw. And yet she has no proof. Now the burden of justice lies with her. That's yeah, a lot of story. How do I know it's true? You do not. Well, what's your plan now, Andrea? It depends most strongly upon the words you utter to Captain Sabaya. Yeah. But in fairness, I must say to you, though justice has failed once, it may still be attempted again. <laughs> yes? Captain Sam Sabaya of the Cairo Police. Oh, come in, Sam. You called me Jordan? Yeah. I came as promptly as I could. Well, what do you wish of me? Uh, Sam. Yes, I'm waiting, Jordan. Andrea, will you do one thing for me? Perhaps. Don't do anything for a couple of hours. Give me a chance to think a little bit. I have waited so long. I can wait a little longer. Jordan, would you come? Come on, Sam. Uh, outside. I'll see you soon, Andrea. Jordan, I'm a most busy man. I, I receive an urgent telephone call from you requesting me to arrive as promptly as possible at room 212 of the Dynasty Hotel. Yeah, I know, sir. This I do. When I arrive, I find you and a beautiful woman alone in a room. The atmosphere most dense. I know, Sam. I see that you are disturbed, that the lady has been crying, that a gun lies on the bed. And when I ask of you the trouble, you tell me nothing. I'm sorry, Sam. Later, I'll tell you all. Jordan. Huh? Beware that you are not carrying too much upon your shoulders. Beware that you are not making decisions which are beyond your province. Yes, Sam. I'll watch it. I left Sam and went back to the tambourine, trying to figure all the while if what Andrea had told me was true. I went up to my room. Toby wasn't there, but Chris was. Oh, hi, Rock. Just picking up a few of Toby's empty bottles. Hey, what's the matter? You look like you've been through an egg beater. Where's Toby? He left a few minutes ago. He had a phone call. Said he'd be back soon. Ah. Uh -huh. What are you looking for? A suitcase. You take it with him? No, it's over there behind the couch. Uh, I'll take a look inside. He said there's nothing in it but his samples. Kitchen equipment. Well, let's find out, huh? Now, that's kitchen stuff, Rocky. Orange squeezer, knives. Mm hmm. Let's look at the bottom layer. What is it, Rocky? Looks sort of odd, doesn't it? It's filigree. Gold, silver, or platinum. They're Ecuadorian ornaments of some sort and pretty expensive. I don't get it, Rock. 
What's it mean? It means part of her story's true, anyway. Whose story? I'll tell you about it later, Chris. Look, uh, Toby will be back pretty soon to sell this stuff to Hashim. You'll have to do something for me. I want to see a lady from Ecuador. I told Chris what I wanted him to do, then went back to the dynasty to find Andrea. The desk clerk said she'd gone across the street to get a sandwich. I found her munching on some devil egg and sipping black coffee. You came back sooner than I expected. I got an answer sooner than I expected. What do you mean? I went through Toby Barker's suitcase. Oh. Gold and platinum filigree, eh? My father's. That's right. Worth quite a bit of money. 50000 to to $100,000, depending on the buyer. Even now, Toby is trying to close the deal with an Egyptian named Hashim. Then he will leave the contract. I have not much time. Andrea. Yes? He'll tip his hand. Sooner or later, he'll tip his hand. Will he? I'm trying to tell you to lay away your gun. I know that. He's not worth it, Andrea. If he did what you said he did, he's still not worth your killing. You do not have to go on. My mind is made up. It has worked within me for so long that there is nothing for me to do but to kill him. Andrea. He is an evil man the law cannot touch. He killed my father. And that death is laid at my feet. Rocky, I have no other course but to do what I have planned. She sprung up out of the chair, pulled away from me, and moved out of the place fast. In a minute, she was lost in the crowd on the boulevard. And I found myself wanting to keep her from killing more than anything else. Well, it takes two to make a killing. The one with the intent and the victim. If one couldn't be stopped, maybe the pigeon could be removed. I figured I could beat her back to the tambourine, so I called a cab, told him to step on it. A little while later, he dropped me off just in time to see Hashim Bey scurry out of my place with Barker's sample case in his hand. He was moving toward a black sedan on the corner, I suppose, to his waiting client. But I was interested in Toby Barker. I found him in the kitchen, a roll of bills in his hand. Oh, hi, you rock. I'm just going to leave this for you. The rest of the 600 I owe you. Old Hashim and I closed the deal. I turned over my uh, kitchen utensils to him, and he turned over his cash to me. You better start moving, Toby. Huh? I said you better start moving. I'm going. <laughs> What's the big hurry? Did Hashim open the suitcase before he took it? No, there wasn't much time. He had someone wait. What? You'd better move. For more reasons than one, pal. You're turning into a rabbit in a greyhound race. <laughs> what are you talking about? Andrea's on her way over here, and she's got a new clip for a gun. Oh? <laughs> Thanks, Rock. Thanks, pal, for warning me. I'm not thinking about you. Well, then... I don't I... want her to kill you, that's why. I don't think you're worth it. You don't want her to... Oh, no. <laughs> well, there's one for you. <laughs> that's rich, pal. The Rock going soft for my wife. Now back door, Toby. Use it. <laughs> sure, sure, Rock. I'm going. Oh, hey, wait. What about your money? Forget it. I don't like the way you got it. Your debt's canceled. <laughs> Suit yourself. Go on now and make it fast. There's a plane for Athens in 30 minutes. So long, soft touch. I'll use your 400 after. At the shot, Toby grabbed his stomach, and that's when the rest of them came. He toppled over in his face, and by the time he hit the ground, he was dead. I looked up the alley to see where the shots had come from. All I saw was a figure standing there with a gun in her hand. Andrea Rios. And it looked just like... It was mission accomplished. In just a moment, Rocky Jordan returns to conclude tonight's story. 
When you get right down to it, folks, the best cooking authorities are you homemakers. You ladies who, day in and day out, have to turn out appetizing meals and yet stay within the budget. That's quite a problem, as you know. Here's how one experienced homemaker, Mrs. J.H. Tandro of Oakland, California, solves the problem. She's a Del Monte enthusiast, been cooking for 24 years, and she said... I've solved the problem of meals with appetite appeal the easy way, with Del Monte tomato sauce. Well, I've been a cooking fan for a long time, and Del Monte has always been a staple on my pantry shelf. You see, I make a great many stews, meat pies, and fish dishes, and I just can't imagine them without that good, rich tomato flavor. And Del Monte tomato sauce is so easy to cook with, anybody can use it. Thank you, Mrs. Tandro. Yes, Del Monte tomato sauce is so easy to use. Just pour it over and cook it in. Then sit back and enjoy a real flavor treat. For tomato flavor at its best, buy the original tomato sauce. Buy Del Monte. Back now to Rocky Jordan. Well, that was the picture. Toby Barker cut down by a flood of bullets and standing up the alley from him, Andrea Rios, a gun in her hand. It had been a long haul for her, but it looked like she'd finally done it. As I saw her leaning against a building, beginning to sob, I felt sick. I hadn't been able to get the pigeon away in time. Well, I started up toward her. As I got closer, I could hear her sobs. They cut into me like knives, and I began to feel sorry for everybody who got into something they had no way out of. Andrea... I heard him groan. I saw him grab his stomach. Come on now, get hold of yourself. He fell forward on his face. Andrea. Did I do it, Rocky? Did I finally do it? Give me the gun. And now that it is done, am I more happy? Andrea. Andrea, listen to me. This gun hasn't been fired. All the bullets are still in the clip. You didn't kill him, Andrea. Indeed, she did not, your... Sam... Since I answered your telephone request at the Dynasty Hotel, I've been keeping a close watch on you. Oh, I don't get it. You didn't cut Toby down. I've been outside the tambourine. A moment ago, Miss Rios came and waited by that lamppost. Then I saw this man, Toby Barker, emerge by your back door. I saw Miss Rios reach into her purse for a gun. I moved to stop her, but before I could, shots came from another direction. Mr. Barker was killed by a man named Hashimbe. Hashimbe? Sergeant Greco and I have apprehended him. Even now, he is in the police car. He has said that he killed Barker because Barker had double-crossed him. Oh, uh, Jordan, of this suitcase, do you recognize it? Sure, that's Toby Barker's sample case. It, it originally had the gold and platinum filigree in it. Originally, yes. That is what Hashim paid for, but what he got was... Well, observe. I shall open the suitcase. You see? The original contents, the filigree, had been removed. And it had been replaced truly with kitchen utensils. And all of them are stamped with the mark of the cafe tambourine. Jordan, would you please explain to me when you pull the switch? Well, Chris had done what I had asked him to do. Remove the filigree and replace it with plain old utensils for my kitchen. I was trying to save the filigree for Andrea Rios because I knew Toby was getting ready to peddle it right away. I had no idea the switch would make Hashim throw bullets at Toby. But it did, and, well, that was that. I turned the filigree over to Sabaya, and after the inquiry, it would go back to Andrea Rios. That's about all, except that Andrea got her justice without putting her own foot in it. 
later, Andrea and her brother Kiko went back to Ecuador. Well, who knows? Maybe someday I'll take a trip over there myself. For the finest in tomato flavor, enjoy the whole family of Del Monte tomato products. Del Monte catsup and chili sauce. Del Monte tomato sauce and canned tomatoes. And Del Monte tomato juice. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Rocky Jordan, written by Larry Roman and Gomer Cool, stars Jack Moyles in the title role with Jay Novello as Sam Sabaya, and is produced and directed by Cliff Howell with original music composed and conducted by Richard Arunt. Remember you have a date next week at the Cafe Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. Same time, same station. And the story is The Nile Runs High. If you haven't tried Del Monte pickles, you don't know how really good a pickle can be. Sweet pickles, sour pickles, dill pickles, every kind you like, and every one crisp and full of flavor. Del Monte pickles, more good products from the brand that always puts flavor first. Larry Thor speaking. Rocky Jordan is presented over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Mutations.